We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters. Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month, which obviously no pressure, whatever you've got, we are so appreciative to have, but we have awesome gifts for you. If you want a hand-addressed letter from Morgan and Isabeau, maybe with some special woe stickers other merch just uh, visit our patreon we are womance on patreon or is it patreon.com forward slash womance we would be very proud to call you one of our patrons hello and welcome back to womance's public access read-along of pride and prejudice by jane austen if it's your first time here uh, my name is morgan and I read the odd number chapters. And my name is Isabel, and I read the even chapters. And this week it's chapter 45, which is a odd number. If you add four and five, it equals nine, which is just a little fun fact for all of you at home, not necessarily related to Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. This is not the 69 chapter, it's just the nine chapter. <laughs> just the nine, well, it's just one of the nine chapters because some other uh, number combinations uh, chapter 36 would have been another nine chapter. Mm-hmm. 27. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great example. Perfect. And of course, mm-hmm. 18. And I don't know if this goes up to chapter 54. Maybe. But if it did, it would be... Well, let's see. Let's see if we have that to look forward to here. There's certainly a lot of chapters. It does. We will. We will have one more nine chapter. Mm. Mark your calendar. (laughs) Chapter 54, coming down the pipe. So because I'm reading chapter 45, that does mean that Isabeau read chapter 44 and is thus the most qualified to provide us with a recap of the events of chapter 44. Chapter 44, everything and nothing happened per the huge. Mr. Darcy brings his esteemed sister, one Georgiana, uh, to meet Elizabeth. Turns out that she's handsome, certainly well accomplished, but kind of shy and standoffish and isn't at all what Elizabeth was expecting. Uh, Mr. Bingley also comes and in his labradoodle whatever whatever is like beating around the bush about Jane. And then they leave and Elizabeth was all a Twitter. She had like too many feelings. She wanted everybody to have a good time. She wanted the gardeners to have a good time, her aunt and uncle. And so she like couldn't be fully present, which is like deeply relatable. And then she like didn't want to talk about the visit with her aunt and uncle who then were like, uh, so you're deeply in love with this Darcy guy. And he's like super in love with you uh, because all he did was stare at you uh, with like an adoring gaze. So like, but we don't have to talk about that. And they didn't. And then Lizzie retired early. Yeah. Uh, All right. And that brings us up to (laughs) chapter 45. Convinced as Elizabeth was that Miss Bingley's dislike of her had originated in jealousy, she could not help feeling how very unwelcome her appearance at Pemberley must be to her, and was curious to know with how much civility on that lady's side the acquaintance would now be renewed. 
On reaching the house, they were shown through the hall into the saloon, whose northern aspect rendered it delightful for summer. Its windows opening to the ground admitted a most refreshing view of the high woody hills behind the house, and of the beautiful oaks and Spanish chestnuts which were scattered over the intermediate lawn. In this room they were received by Miss Darcy, who was sitting there with Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley and the lady with whom she lived in London. Georgiana's reception of them was very civil, but attended with all that embarrassment which, though proceeding from shyness and the fear of doing wrong, would easily give to those who felt themselves inferior the belief of her being proud and reserved. Mrs. Gardner and her niece, however, did her justice and pitied her. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Well known. Pity justice. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for pitying me. Uh, By Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, they were noticed only by a curtsy, and on their being seated, a pause, awkward as such pauses must always be, succeeded for a few moments. It was first broken by Mrs. Ainsley, a genteel, agreeable-looking woman, whose endeavor to introduce some kind of discourse proved her to be more truly well-bred than either of the others. And between her and Mrs. Gardner, with occasional help from Elizabeth, the conversation was carried on. Miss Darcy looked as if she wished for courage enough to join in it, and sometimes did venture a short sentence when there was least danger of it being heard. Gosh, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth soon saw that she was herself closely watched by Miss Bingley, and that she could not speak a word, especially to Miss Darcy, without calling her attention. This observation would not have prevented her from trying to talk to the latter had they not been seated at an inconvenient distance, but she was not sorry to be spared the necessity of saying much. Her own thoughts were employing her. She expected every moment that some of the gentlemen would enter the room. She wished, she feared, that the master of the house might be amongst them, and whether she wished or feared it most, she could scarcely determine." After sitting in this manner a quarter of an hour without hearing Miss Bingley's voice, Elizabeth was roused by receiving from her a cold inquiry after the health of her family. She answered with equal indifference and brevity, and the other said no more. The next variation which their visitor afforded was produced by the entrance of servants with cold meat, cake, and a variety of all the finest fruits in season. But this did not take place till after many a significant look and smile from Mrs. Ansley to Miss Darcy had been given to remind her of her post. (laughs) There is now employment for the whole party, for though they could not all talk, they could all eat. And the beautiful pyramids of grapes, nectarines, and peaches soon collected them round the table. While thus engaged, Elizabeth had a fair opportunity of deciding whether she most feared or wished for the appearance of Mr. Darcy by the feelings which prevailed on his entering the room. And then, though but a moment before she had believed her wishes to predominate, she began to regret that he came. He had been some time with Mr. Gardner, who, with two or three other gentlemen from the house, was engaged by the river, and had left him only on learning that the ladies of the family intended to visit to Georgiana that morning. No sooner did he appear than Elizabeth wisely resolved to be perfectly easy and unembarrassed, a resolution the more necessary to be made, but perhaps not the more easily kept, because she saw that the suspicions of the whole party were awakened against them, and that there was scarcely an eye which did not watch his behavior when he first came into the room. 
A no countenance was attentive curiosity so strongly marked as in Miss Bingley's. In spite of the smiles which overspread her face whenever she spoke to one of its objects, for jealousy had not yet made her desperate, and her attentions to Mr. Darcy were by no means over. Miss Darcy, on her brother's entrance, exerted herself much more to talk, and Elizabeth saw that he was anxious for his sister and herself to get acquainted, and forwarded, as much as possible, every attempt at conversation on either side. Miss Bingley saw all this likewise, and in the imprudence of anger, took the first opportunity of saying, with sneering civility, "'Pray, Miss Eliza, are not the shire militia removed from Maryton?' They must be a great loss to your family. In Darcy's presence, she dared not mention Wickham's name, but Elizabeth instantly comprehended that he was uppermost in her thoughts, and the various recollections connected with him gave her a moment's distress. But exerting herself vigorously to repel the ill-natured attack, she presently answered the question in a tolerably disengaged tone. While she spoke, an involuntary glance showed Darcy with a heightened complexion, earnestly looking at her, and his sister overcome with confusion and unable to lift up her eyes. Had Miss Bingley known what pain she was then giving her beloved friend? She undoubtedly would have refrained from the hint, but she had merely intended to discompose Elizabeth by bringing forward the idea of a man to whom she believed her partial, to make her betray a sensibility which might injure her in Darcy's opinion, and perhaps to remind the latter of all the follies and absurdities by which some part of her family were connected with that core. Not a syllable had ever reached her of Miss Darcy's mediated elopement. To no creature had it been revealed where secrecy was possible, except to Elizabeth, and from all Bingley's connections, her brother was particularly anxious to conceal it from that very wish which Elizabeth had long ago attributed to him, of their becoming hereafter her own. He had certainly formed such a plan, and without meaning that it should affect his endeavor to separate him from Miss Bennet, it is probable that it might add something to his lively concern for the welfare of his friend. <laughs> Look who cares all of a sudden. Elizabeth's collected behavior, however, soon quieted his emotion, and as Miss Bingley, vexed and disappointed, dared not approach nearer to Wickham, Georgiana also recovered in time, though not enough to be able to speak any more. Oh. Her brother, whose eyes she feared to meet, scarcely recollected her interest in the affair, and the very circumstance which had been designed to turn his thoughts from Elizabeth seemed to have fixed them on her more and more cheerfully. Ooh. Their visit did not continue long after the question and answer above mentioned, and while Mr. Darcy was attending them to their carriage, Miss Bingley was venting her feelings and criticisms on Elizabeth's person, behavior, and dress. But Georgiana would not join her. Her brother's recommendation was enough to ensure her favor. His judgment could not err, and he had spoken in such terms of Elizabeth as to leave Georgiana without the power of finding her otherwise than lovely and amiable. When Darcy returned to the saloon, Miss Bingley could not help repeating to him some part of what she had been saying to his sister. "'How very ill Eliza Bennet looks this morning, Mr. Darcy,' she cried. "'I never in my life saw anyone so much altered as she is since the winter. She has grown brown and coarse. Louisa and I were agreeing that she would not have known her again.' "'Brown and coarse?' "'Brown. Well, there it is, y'all.' Lizzie got tan in her walks. Yeah. However little Mr. Darcy might have liked such an address, 
He contented himself with coolly replying that he perceived no other alteration than her being rather tanned, no miraculous consequence of traveling in the summer. It is for an English person. <laughs> it is miraculous that they tan. <laughs> <laughs> that there is sunshine in July. Yeah. The only way I've ever acquired a natural tan is by daily sustained sun exposure through SPF 30. I also think one time when I was in Ireland, I got a, a bad sunburn and everyone told me I had lovely color and I thought they were p- making fun of me. And then someone else came back with what was clearly a sunburn and they told her she had lovely color and she was like very gracious like at, unlike me who's like oh thanks yeah it hurts <laughs> thank you for commenting on the fact that my skin has been mutilated by the sun's rays <laughs> yeah thank you um i really appreciate it later on it'll peel off no. uh, did i send you that video of when i got a spray tan over a sunburn and it started peeling no oh man <laughs> i should tell you i've been looking at a very weird part of tiktok it's like we can finish the chapter but <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about body horror, just <laughs> Yeah, we're not there. Miss Bingley hasn't done anything so egregious. Yeah, for sure. For my own part... <laughs> okay, so Darcy's like, she's just tanned. <laughs> for my own part, she rejoined, I must confess that I could never see any beauty in her. Her face is too thin. Wow. Her complexion has no brilliancy. And her features are not at all handsome. Her nose wants character. There is nothing marked in its lines. Her teeth are tolerable, but not of the common way. And as for her eyes, which have sometimes been called so fine, I never could perceive anything extraordinary in them. They have a sharp, shrewish look, which I could not like at all. And in her air altogether, there is a self-sufficiency without fashion, which is intolerable. Wow. Sometimes I wish someone would roast me like this. I just, I need some, like, honesty, you know? I need to know where I stand. I don't think this is honest. I think it is. I think, I think all of this feedback is reasonable. <laughs> her features are not at all handsome. Her nose wants character. <laughs> and her teeth are tolerable, but not in the common way. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? I feel like this is one of those um, instances where the author is, in fact, informing us that Lizzie is quite beautiful. Like, her nose is too perfect. Her teeth are tolerable, but, like... Straighter than the common form. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, almost too good. And her eyes are sharp and shrewish, which just sounds like smart, you know? Like, she doesn't have cow eyes. Yeah. When someone says shrewish, it's like... Mm. Yeah. This uh, accusation feels like a confession. Yeah, it feels it, it I also yeah, I think it's working on a, a couple levels. I think I think it's most I I think it's to inform us that like Lizzie's so pretty. She's so pretty, but even with this like and in her air altogether there is self-sufficiency, right? Mm-hmm. Like Darcy's not going to think that's an insult. Without fashion. I wonder what self-sufficiency without fashion would mean. Without fashion. Like, she's not pretending to be self-sufficient. Like, she's not, oh, I can do it myself, and then dropping all the folders and being like, oh, dear. <laughs> I'm such a klutz. Right? Like, she's just straight up self-sufficient. <laughs> she's like, yeah. no, I can do it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Persuaded, as Miss Bingley was, that Darcy admired Elizabeth, this was not the best method of recommending herself. 
But angry people are not always wise, and in seeing him at last look somewhat nettled, she had all the success she expected. (laughs) He was resolutely silent, however, and from a determination of making him speak, she continued... Oh. I remember when we first knew her in Hertfordshire and how amazed we all were to find out that she was a reputed beauty. And I particularly recollect you saying one night after she had been dining at Netherfield, she a beauty? I should as soon call her mother a wit. But afterwards she seemed to improve on you, and I believe you thought her rather pretty at one time. Yes, replied Darcy, who could contain himself no longer. But that was only when I first knew her, for it is many months since I have considered her as one of the handsomest women of my acquaintance. He then went away, and Miss Bingley was left to the satisfaction of having forced him to say what gave no one any pain but herself. I recently dined with someone who alleged that Jacob Elordi isn't even cute, and I was like, listen, saying he's not cute does not give him, does not lessen his power over you. Also, because he he has power over us all, and, and the but I think that was what Mr. Darcy was doing. I think he was like, I don't even think she's pretty or whatever. I don't even care. I like how I'm defending him at a dinner that's not even in the like on the page in the book. It's just a recollection, right? From like ages ago, and I'm like, no, but like it's actually because he really liked her and he was intimidated. But I think I'm right. Yeah. I think you're right, too. Mrs. Gardner and Elizabeth talked of all that had occurred during their visit, as they returned, except what had particularly interested them both. The looks and behavior of everybody they had seen were discussed, except of the person who had mostly engaged their attention. They talked of his sister, his friends, his house, his fruit, of everything but himself. Yet Elizabeth was longing to know what Mrs. Gardner thought of him, and Mrs. Gardner would have been highly gratified by her niece's beginning the subject. What a cute ending. That is really cute. That's such a good last paragraph. We're still in our Seinfeld stage, though. We're like, nothing much happens. I like that he, like, came back from fishing just to be near. I mean, like, probably to, like, help his sister. It is interesting on this read how the dynamic feels changed, not changed, but like deeper for me, where it's like, I've always known that like Darcy's like such a good big brother. He's like really solicitous of Georgiana, but like in this, there's like, she's so eager to like do the thing that he wants her to do, which is like converse with Elizabeth and like try hard to be social. And like that dynamic is just, it's a little bit of a heartbreak because in so many ways, like, Darcy's not just older brother. He's also like literally the only kin and also like older brother slash dad because Mr. Uh, Darcy died when Georgiana was so young. So it's like all of that together is like it just makes for a complicated stew of this very young woman trying to impress her big brother. Yeah. Yeah. He's like her provider and protector in like a super... Yeah. Intensified way. And he just, like, wants her to, like, be easy in social situations, which is also hilarious because he's not easy in social situations. (laughs) But he's easier than she is. Well, yeah, because he's also much older and, like, better at hiding how shy he is, I guess. Shout out to Mrs. Ansley. It sounds like she, um, I think the book says, compared to Miss Bingley and Miss Darcy, she shows, like, true manners. And I think that always comes across, like, 
I think we tend to, even in this day and age, expect the upper echelons to do everything, the upper socioeconomic or whatever, echelons to do things more more properly (laughs) or be equipped to do the best version. Um, But when you meet, like, exceedingly wealthy and talented people, they actually have a pretty hard time in... (laughs) uh, being relatable I think (laughs) or relating not being relatable they don't need to be relatable but relating having um, the ability to like connect and meet people on their level perfect example of this Mitt Romney's very strange during his 2012 campaign where he's like yeah no I'm just like everybody like I took my by strapping sons on like crossroad American tours with the dog. And they're like, well, you have five sons and you're talking about a station where where'd you put the dog? On the roof. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like, that's a normal thing to do that all of everyone will understand. <laughs> yeah, all of you will get that because we're all just people putting our dogs on the roof of our station wagon. Yeah, that is a perfect example. I think, yeah, I think elections or uh, I remember... <laughs> When Anne Hathaway, I am a Hathaway hater, um, hasn't haven't had much fodder lately, but I'm back. Um, when Anne Hathaway won the Academy Award, and she was in the press room, and she was like, "I just want to have," or she's like, "I just feel like a frozen yogurt sundae or something like wild." And it was it was like that doesn't make you relate. Like, oh gosh, but you know, having like. There's something about being like either, I think, intensely brilliant or creative that kind of closes you off to others unintentionally or just being like wildly having a lot of money. You are surrounded by a lot of yes men um, because you actually with money have uh, an influence that can negatively impact people. And so everyone kind of dances around you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad Miss An- Miss Ansley was there to <laughs> shoulder the burden because Lizzie obviously didn't feel like it. She was a little overwhelmed, wishing and fearing that Mr. Darcy would arrive. She was still very much in her own head with her two perfect nose and her two perfect teeth and her smart eyes, fine eyes. Yeah, and Miss Bingley's doing nothing but hurting herself. But I understand her desperation. Same. Oh, poor Miss Bingley. All right. Anything else? No. That was great. All right. I will say we we did recently get a less than five-star review on iTunes, and the person requested that we talk about the chapters more. (laughs) And I was like, that is so nice. (laughs) Also. That's the nicest (laughs) negative review imaginable not the criticism i would have expected to receive i don't know exactly exactly they wanted us to talk more about the chapters but i'm afraid uh we've we've uh we've wrung this rag out this one there will be a couple more meaty this chapters surely right god something's gotta happen we are spending so much more time at pemberley than like any of the visual adaptations ever have us do like, it doesn't ever feel this long. But we've been here for days at this point. Yeah, we keep wandering in. There's all these other young people there. It's summertime. 
their gorgeous glimpses of the wooded hills. I know. She's with her coolest aunt and uncle. She is with her coolest aunt and uncle. And they seem to be having a great time. I'm really happy for the gardeners. I'm glad they have a separate room. I think they can, like, you know, be reconnecting with each other and helping one of their favorite nieces. Like, You think the gardeners are getting their groove back off page? I hope fucking... I I hope they be fucking (laughs) is what I hope for the gardeners. Like, you know, she's back in the place where she came from and, like, is beating all her old friends and, like, he's fishing every day. They're relaxing. Like, you know, the dust of business and cheap side is washed away. The children are safe in Hertfordshire with Jane. I hope they be fucking... she packed some like new lacy pantaloons or what have you. Yeah. Oh, bless. Yeah. I also hope the gardeners are, um, you know, enjoying this season of their of their lives. I guess I, I guess I hope they're making love as well. And I'm glad we addressed it. I, you know, some would say the elephant in the room is Mr. Darcy and Lizzie, um, but it is in fact the gardeners and. The two of them getting to rekindle their spark. They got a bunch of kids. They got businesses. You know, they got a lot of stuff on their minds. Like oh, They've got so much pride. They've got so much prejudice. Hence the title of the book. <laughs> it's really about the gardeners. And now we've unearthed it. <laughs> this over 200 year mystery. Nailed it. Yeah. <sighs> well, I can't wait to see what the gardeners do in chapter 46. <laughs> Maybe we'll finally get the on-page sex that we were so thoroughly promised about (laughs) Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Nuptial bliss of the gardeners. I've actually, I did see on a message board that Mr. Gardner actually shifts into a dragon. Um, So hopefully we'll also get our on-page dragon sex. They left that out of all the movie adaptations, too. I mean, budget. Like, you already blew it all on the costumes and the geese and the mists, you know. It's hard to... Organizing the sun to rise at the exact time that you need for that light. Yeah, exactly. Candles. Think about how the candle budget alone. It's a good point. Yeah. If you wanted to include the dragon, you'd have to, like, set this in Atlanta, Georgia for the tax breaks, you know. Yeah. And Atlanta for the English countryside doesn't really work, I don't think. Not the same. No. Mm-mm. So, yeah. Anyways, I'm looking forward to the on-page dragon sex in chapter 46, and I hope all of our listeners will join us for that. With that. Loosen. Loosen your prejudices. But never your prides. <laughs> Mwah. Wooly guacamole, everyone! Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womance and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womancepodcast.com. 
If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.